20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Happy-ish Tuesday, I guess. Welcome into an all-new episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. First of all, let me apologize that this video and audio is much later than I wanted it to be or expected it to be. Let's just say yesterday was a day I finally get done with the game. Internet goes out. The condensed version of the game's not up. When I went to bed finally at like 2.30 in the morning still, uh, just nothing really went according to plan yesterday. There will be days like that. We are rebounding today. We're getting back. We're watching the tape. We'll fix everything moving forward, but happy to be talking ish again, Packers, Raiders with you, a massively disappointing performance. Raiders win 17 to 13. You probably know what I'm going to say, or at least you think you know what I'm probably going to say. This is a young team. There's going to be ups and downs, and we sort of expected this going into the season. It's what I talk. No, 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 no. Yes, if we saw the ups and downs of this team, that's probably what I would be saying. There has to be ups in order for there to be ups and downs. And I don't think there's been enough of those really since the end of the Falcons game. You beat the Bears in Chicago week one, impressive performance, one of the worst teams in football, but you take that and that's a solid performance overall. You have three solid quarters against the Falcons. It wasn't great, but you did enough to win through those three quarters. And then you completely choked it up in the fourth quarter against Atlanta. You played three abysmal quarters versus the Saints before the Saints helped you out a little bit, but give Green Bay credit in that fourth quarter. They came back and won. That's a big step for a young team. They, they didn't give up. They deserve some level of credit for that, but three quarters of that game was abysmal. Four quarters of the Lions was abysmal, and the majority of Packers Raiders was abysmal outside of the third quarter, which seems to be the only player that they can play, the only quarter that they can play with any level of consistency. And I I don't know. To me, if there's going to be things of like, this is a young team, they're a developing team, that's all fine and well. I understand that. I get that. I preach that all off season, but there need to be some things that you can grasp onto that are trending in the right direction that look like huge positives. If this is a team that's two and three and is struggling a bit, but you see some legitimate big time flashes from Lucas Van Ness and Luke Musgrave, sure, uh, understood. You can see those positives coming along the way. If this is a team that's two and three, but Jordan Love is playing with a great deal of consistency, playing an accurate brand of football and is trending in the right direction. Like if we would have saw the fifth, you know, this week's game in week one, and then last week's game in week two. Because if you watch Jordan Love, everything has gotten progressively worse week by week from a passing percentage, from a adjusted net yards per attempt, like all everything. Just watch it. It's gone down week by week. If that was reverse, if it was awful week one, a little bit better week two, better week three, week four, week five, and it was going in the right direction. All right. Now we're talking about something. We're trending in the right direction. It's just really hard to look at anything and grasp onto anything and be like, this is really trending in the right direction and this is going well and this is something that they can continue to do moving forward. You know, getting Christian Watson back this week and and seeing a little bit more of his playmaking was good, but there were a lot of plays from Christian that you would like to have back And, and specifically just some of the deep throws not on the same page with, you know, love to Christian Watson, not being able to complete those. Thought we'll talk about that more in just a little bit, but that clearly is not something that you can just lean on entirely at this point. Musgrave got benched in this game for portions of it, not running a right route, and clearly Matt LaFleur was upset with him about that. 
Lucas Van Ness, we'll, we'll wait till the All-22. I think there were a couple positives in there, but not like he's making this huge, massive impact. Like I said, Jordan Love has gotten sort of consistently worse week after week so far. There's just not much trending in any capacity in the right direction. So could you come back after the bye against the really bad Broncos team and show out and have some of these things start going a lot better? Sure. Could they play a much better brand of football the remainder of the season? Yes. But through five weeks, if we're evaluating the five Packers weeks of football that we've seen so far, it's not good enough. And I will say once again, we knew it's young. We knew it's inexperienced. We knew there were going to be moments, but you were hoping for maybe some of the, the positives to at least wash some of that out. And that's what I'm more frustrated with is that we just haven't seen the level of positives that this team needs to have to at least be trending in the right direction. I I, I said all along, this team, if, if you told me right now that this Packers team was 5-0 and and they were playing the exact same way that they were playing right now, I would be saying the exact same things. If, you, if they were 0-5 and they're playing the exact same way that they're playing right now, I'd be saying the exact same things. It's the process. It's the players. It's the coaching. And what you see as a brand of football on the field is simply not good enough all the way around. And I think that's the big thing for me of like, I don't care about record this season. I really don't. I really, this was never going to be a playoff, you know, like winning team, a, a Super Bowl contending team. It was just never in the cards to be that type of season. Could they have made the playoffs with the really sort of easy schedule that they have this year? Yeah, they very much could have. But that, I, I don't care. That's not what this season was about, at least for me watching this team. What I wanted to see out of this team was growth and those young, exciting, talented players taking steps in the right direction. And I'll say one more time, if we sort of saw through these five weeks that it started ugly and it got a little bit better each week to the point where you were starting to see some of those flashes more and you could like really grasp onto that and be like, all right, it's been a struggle, but it's trending up. It's trending in the right direction. Awesome. We're good. We're cool. No issues at all. I don't care if they were 0-5 at that point. If it's trending in the right way and they're playing a better brand of football week in and week out and it's getting better, I'm absolutely cool with that. But it's not. It's getting worse week to week. And you had that fourth quarter against the Falcons. The Saints game, again, it got it, it, that was a really bad Saints game that they, again, give them some credit for the fourth quarter, but... They got the win. And I, again, I don't really care about wins and losses. I care about the product of the football on the field. And through the vast majority of that game, that was a really bad product of football. You were hoping they were going to learn from that. And then it was worse against the Lions. They have a mini buy. You were hoping they were going to learn from both of those games. And then it's worse against the Raiders. That's not trending in the right direction. And that to me is the most disappointing aspect of this team right now is you're struggling to find the positives. You're struggling to find the, the big time players, the big time plays, the big time things that get you excited about a young team that is chock full of potential. Right now you just see a young team. I, I need to see more of that potential and it hasn't been that so far. And here's the most frustrating part. The Raiders did everything to keep you in that game. They are who we thought they were, to quote Dennis Green. They are who we thought they were. That was a bad football team on Monday Night Football. And like the decision to kick the field goal on fourth and one, a 50 plus yarder, it donks off the upright. You get a, uh, you know, another opportunity to go down and, and score the game winning touchdown and just can't take advantage of it, throw a, a really bad interception at the end. Those are things that you it's really tough to live with because again, that Raiders team was bad and they did everything they could to help you out, to give you extra lifelines and you just couldn't take advantage of it. 
And I'll say this again, it's something I said all of last year. I said it through the first few games or the, at least the last few games of this year is what is your identity? What can you lean on? What can you do well? I'll wait. I will sit and wait because you do not have an identity and there is not anything you can lean on. And there's not anything you do particularly well at this point. You're a middling special teams, a middling defense, and right now an abysmal offense. You can't run the ball. You can't throw the ball deep. You are playing a bend but don't break defense, which worked okay. We'll talk about that in this game in a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. I think there's some positives to take away there. Special teams, like I said, you've got a kicker that's been extremely accurate so far. There's nothing that you can go into being like, we have this huge advantage going into every game. We can do this every single game. Everything that's being thrown out there right now, deep passing, short passing, running, trying trick plays, end arounds, like handing it off to Christian Watt, none of it is working. And that's because you don't have the fundamentals. It all starts with the basics. You can't block up front. You can't block up front. You're not going to do a whole heck of a lot. On defense, you got to be able to stay contained and set the edge and do the simple stuff, play with better pad level. And this is not a team that is well-rounded in the X's and O's and in the fundamentals of football. We can talk about the talent that the San Francisco's and the Philadelphia's of the world have, and they have immense talent and are a clear three, four steps above where Green Bay is at from a talent standpoint. And we will absolutely evaluate that at some point as well and how you get to that point. However, those teams are extremely well coached with extreme attention to detail and put in all the time, effort, and energy into playing with sound fundamentals and the like just understanding the basics of football. I don't know how many times you saw two wide receivers in the same spot that you saw four defensive players for the Raiders getting to the into the backfield to make a, a stop. Like it's one thing if Max Crosby beats Rasheed Walker, tip your cap. That's one of the best defensive players in football against a, a you know second string offensive lineman. That's going to happen from time to time. But when there's four of them there on multiple plays, there's a play where Dylan, where he goes to the outside, there's four Raiders there immediately. What are we doing? And then there's another play where you, I don't, I hated the play call of the handoff to Christian Watson to run wide. If you, you do not have the players to run a long developing sweep play to the outside. You, the, do you know, do you know how many like perfect blocks it needs to take to make that play work? You're lucky if you're getting a couple good, like decent blocks on most plays. You think that play for like a, you know, a long developing stretch, you know, uh sweep play to Christian Watson's going to work when you need to execute like eight blocks perfectly. Like there's just no chance. So I hate that play, but there's four Raiders waiting for Christian Watson on that play. That stuff is mind numbingly bad. You can't, if again, if one player breaks through and makes the tackle behind the line of scrimmage, I get it. Sometimes players make plays. Four, four of them made it there. Four players met him behind the line of scrimmage. That is indicative of something far, far worse than just a player on the other team making a play. And we can talk, we'll continue to talk about identity, but I, I just, I don't even know where to go with it. I, like you do not have the ability to do anything very well at this point. This was, this was like their good running day. This was their good running day and the running, uh, not including Jordan Love uh, in his scrambles on the day, 23 carries, 78 yards, 3.8 yard average on the ground. 23 for 78 on 3.8 yards per carry. And that was like a good day running the football for Green Bay. So yeah, that 
that is frustrating. And again, I don't know what they can lean on moving forward. It, it, it can't simply be of like, we're going to try to outscheme the opposing team. It cannot be that. And the red flag to me last week, and I talked about this with Mike Wall, was when Matt LaFleur was asked specifically about the defense. And he said, I think it can be fixed with scheme. If, if anyone is watching this team and saying anything can just be fixed with scheme at this point, it cannot. There is 0.0% chance that anything on this team right now can be fixed with scheme. There's no scheme that you are going to bring to this team that is all of a sudden going to fix everything. It takes coaching, attention to detail, holding players accountable, and being a better, more well-rounded football team that wants to play with a level of physicality and intensity and doesn't want to go down in the first half before they have to start catching back up. That's what it needs to be better. It's not a scheme thing. This is a X's and O's and Jimmy's and Joe's, not just a, and when I mean X's and O's, I mean more of like, again, the attention to detail, the fundamentals, like the actual coaching nuts and bolts of this team. That's what it is. And the players on the field, it's not well, we need to do a 4-3 rather than a 3-4, or we need to make sure that we're spreading the you know people out more, or we're going more power football. Like there's not anything that's going to change. You can run three tight end sets, five wide sets, anything outside or in between. And if you can't block up front and you don't play with an attention to detail, that's going to win you football games. You're going to lose football games. You can run a 4-3, a 3-4, a 5-2, a nickel dime. You can run uh, cover two, cover three, press man. It doesn't matter if you don't play with attention to detail. That's it. In this, yes, if we can boil this down, if anyone would like to, because I think, you know, maybe people can argue that I'm late to the party. Fine, understandable. You can boil this down to coaching. You can absolutely boil this down to coaching. I've liked overall through the, you know, the long, like throughout Matt LaFleur's career so far, I still think there's been more positives than negatives, but the last year and a half has not been that. It has been really tough to watch. And you can almost see like just the degradation in play, the decline in play with with all of those things that I'm talking about, the physicality, the attention to detail, the holding players accountable. You can see it decline. And this is a, a coach in Matt LaFleur that has emphasized more keeping players healthy and scheme than making sure that players are held accountable and that you are making sure that you're doing all the little things correctly. When you don't play in preseasons for his entire coaching you know, career, basically in Green Bay, outside of this year, a little bit more, you're going to lose opportunities. When you take some more rest days, they didn't have a padded practice last week. You know who needed a padded practice last week? The Green Bay Packers. Like They need to f- you figure out and play with a better brand of intensity and, and tackling and all of that stuff. And I'm not saying you're going to ta- you know, like live tackle in practice, but this team needs more of that. If they're worn out, but what, like, I don't care. Like this team needs a huge influx of like just practicing all the stuff that goes into trying to win football games on Sunday or Monday in this case. So yeah, this is a, this is indicative of the coaching that's been done in Green Bay over the past handful of years. And you have been able to see the decline. And I'm not just talking about the player. You can say yes, and we can argue this is a young team. We expected this. I know I said that all off season, but it doesn't absolve you from playing a better brand of football. If if there were the simple mistakes that happened because you had young players and there were going to be some days like this, I get it. 
but it doesn't absolve you of like just playing a, a really bad brand of football, which we've seen Green Bay play for the vast majority of the past three plus games. That's what's more indicative of coaching. How many times did Razul Douglas on defense like throw up his arms because somebody missed an assignment? We can blame the Rudy Ford touchdown on like Joe Barry playing passive defense. From my eye, that looked like LVN was supposed to drop into that zone. He was late doing so. And both Rudy Ford and Razul Douglas were right after him after the play being like, what, what the heck just happened? Can't say it a million percent for sure, but that's what it looked like is that he was supposed to drop and you could tell Douglas and Ford were frustrated that there was nobody there to make that play. I don't think that was on Rudy Ford. I don't think it was a passive play called by Joe Barry. There was the play with Keyshawn Nixon where Razul knew what was coming. They had the perfect play call on. Joe Barry had the perfect play call on, but Keyshawn Nixon caught napping, doesn't jump that route inside. That might be a pick six if Nixon just like that. You could tell they practiced that. That's why Razul was so pissed off on the plays. You could tell they practiced that specifically and he knew what was happening. And Razul saw it, but he wasn't the one that could do anything about it. It was Nixon. That's why Razul is going, what the, what are you doing? There was like five times that Razul threw his hands up where he knew what was going on. He knew the play. He knew what was screwed up, but somebody else on the field wasn't doing their job. You got to do your job. You got to do your 111th. And more often than not, we didn't see that. That's on coaching. And here's the bigger thing. You had from Thursday, you had Thursday, uh, your last game, you had 10 plus days to get this right, to have a good theme and and like just uh, getting the team ready to play this game against a bad Raiders football team that did everything in their power to keep you in this game. And you had nothing, on, at least offensively. You had nothing offensively. And the attention to detail was as bad as it has been in any game this season. That's on coaching. That is on coaching. The execution of what they want to do on both sides of the ball is abysmal right now. And it, we'll, defense we'll talk about. Let's talk about the offense though, because I think if we're really being honest, that's what was really the abysmal part of this game. You had 57 plays for 285 yards of offense. 77 of those were a busted coverage by Vegas. They gifted you 77 yards. Outside of that, you're at 56 plays for 208 yards. That is awful. That is absolutely awful. Jordan Love, 16 of 30, 182 yards, zero touchdowns, three interceptions. That is absolutely awful. As I mentioned earlier, this was the good running game. 23 carries, 78 yards, 3.8 yards per carry with a long of 11. That is not good enough. And that was one of their good running games. And some people might say too of like, yeah, but if you had Aaron Jones, it's different. Yes, it probably is different than that. Your plan cannot be, we just hope that we have our running back that can make everyone miss because that's not a good enough plan. You have to be able to block up front. You can't just rely on Aaron Jones coming in and making 13 people miss behind the line of scrimmage before he picks up yardage. That's that's not a good enough plan. You have to be able to get some yards rushing the football and more of a long than a long of 11 rushing the football when you could tell they went in trying like very much trying to run the football their first three plays run 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 they were trying to establish it and they just never could quite get it going to the level that they needed it to we saw receivers and tight ends in the same spot of the field on multiple occasions we saw offensive linemen getting bulldozed into the backfield we talked about the four raiders making tackles behind the line of scrimmage on multiple plays you can't throw deep you can't run the ball when we say like we want to see Matt LaFleur run, you know, his offense a little bit more. What this looks like right now is a gimmick offense. It looks like a crackerjack offense. 
And the reason that that is, is because you can't throw deep and you can't run the football. If you can't throw deep and you can't run the football, what's left? You can try to gimmick up some plays where you're running some tight end screens and some wide receiver stuff to the outside, maybe a quick out here or there. There's not much left. The team, the, like the Raiders shrink, just shrink the field. They they are not buying on your, you're your inviting on your play action. So they're just chilling in the middle of the field, waiting for everything to develop, keeping everything in front. They're not really worried about you beating them deep because you've shown no ability to do so. They're not worried about you running the football because you've shown no ability to do so. And that they're just taking away everything else in the middle of the field. And then you become a crackerjack offense. And that's what we've seen. So it's great to be like, well, we need to see a little bit more of like, you know, Matt LaFleur, like, what are you going to call? What is, what is your, what do you want to call at that point when you can't block up front and you can't throw deep? And I, I said this last week and I'll say it again, Matt LaFleur, the coach, a ton of blame, a ton of blame. Matt LaFleur, the play call, there were some awful play calls. So I'm not, I'm not willing to absolve him quite as much in this game. Cause there was some, like the, the handoff to Christian Watson when they were rolling a little bit. And then a third down screen, you know, a screen pass on third down. I, I hate screen passes on third down because if it doesn't work, there's no ad lib play after it. You can't extend the play. You can't live off platform. It's just either, it's like a coin flip. If the defense bites hook, line, and sinker, and you get the ball to the running back on the screen pass, yes, you're probably picking up the first down. If they don't, you're just dead in the water and you're literally just flipping a coin. I would rather let my playmakers make plays and let Jordan Love extend the play and make time if he needs to, to try to pick up a first down rather than just hoping that the screen pass works. Because if they read it, which they did in that case, it's just dead on arrival. So I, I didn't like that as well. But Matt LaFleur, the play caller, doesn't have a ton in his playbook that he can call that's going to work right now. So I'm a little bit more willing to forgive in some instances, Matt LaFleur, Matt LaFleur, the play caller, but Matt LaFleur, the coach has plenty of blame and Matt LaFleur, the play caller didn't do himself any favors either in this one. What's going on, Packer fans? It is time that you make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. If you guys know anything about me whatsoever, you know that I love pizza, that every time the Packers win, I have a victory pizza. And what you should also know is that victory pizza is from Little Caesars. I This is no joke. Little Caesars, by far and away, my favorite pizza. What you can do is you can order online during their Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And then you can get ready for football and fun Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza, pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. For me, I have the same order every single time. I'm going with their hot and ready pizza, pepperoni, no questions about it. And more importantly than anything else, always, 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 always get the crazy bread. It is, in my opinion, the best food that you can get on the market. I'm not joking. I love crazy bread. Love, love, love crazy bread. Get it every single time. You win when you get crazy bread. And speaking of winning, Literally everyone scores with convenient delivery or their in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the game, and always get your victory pizza from Little Caesars. You won't regret it. Pizza, pizza. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? In college, I personally dealt with an addiction that was tough to get over. And while my mind kept telling me to do the right things and I wanted to do the right things, it was always hard trying to make the right choices in real time. What I eventually found out was that therapy can help you figure out what's holding you back and how to work for yourself instead of against yourself. 
Therapy has helped me with my past struggles and helped make me a better person today for my friends and my family. Therapy has helped me learn my trigger points, my destructive habits, and what positive steps to take to ensure that those negative behaviors turn into positive ones. If you're even thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be catered to your schedule and flexible to your individual needs. Make your brain your best friend with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash packaday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com. Hello friends, today we're brought to you by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil in trouble. Manscaped's all-new handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and using code PACKADAY for 20% off plus free shipping. I recently picked up Manscaped new handyman and friends. It is amazing. There are so many incredible aspects, but the fact that it has one guard that can trim to 20 different beard lengths is a game changer. Their skin safe technology is legit and getting through a full shave without any nicks and cuts gives me all the confidence in the world to go for that smooth, close shave. Oh, and you can use it for wet or dry use as well. So this amazing device does absolutely everything. Right now you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code packaday at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code packaday. For a look as sweet as candy, get yourself the handyman from Manscaped. It's finally football season, which means it's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using prize picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. You knew that you could not let Max Crosby beat you in this game. And who beat you? Max Crosby. That's unacceptable, especially with multiple days to plan for him. Now, this is also indicative of like, you've got to be able to go out and execute. There was a play where Max Crosby got a sack where they put three players on Max Crosby. Now, it's two tight ends and a running back. There's no offensive line on the uh, lineman on the play. But you had a tight end get to him first, and then you had a running back that was going to chip him inside if he came inside, and a tight end to go outside if he went outside. The issue, the tight end gets to him initially, does a nice, excuse me, a nice job. The running back stays inside. The tight end that's supposed to have him outside comes like inside and plays him inside. Jordan Love continues to drop, and Max Crosby just goes right around because they're tight ends and gets the sack. So you could dedicate three players to him. If you're not doing your job the right way, yeah, it's going to look ugly, but you can't let that guy beat you. And that's the guy that beat you on defense. And I'll go back to the play action game for a second here too, because what we are seeing 
And like that first Jordan Love interception, I want to break that one down. That first Jordan Love interception is a play where you're reading the linebacker and you're expecting that backside to just come open and you hit it. We've seen that with Green Bay, with Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love earlier. This is the second week in a row where that that like just quick strike play off of play action is there like every single time. Now, Jordan can't just preemptively say like, I'm going there no matter what. That That's a bad decision and a bad throw for Jordan, period. But what you are seeing, I talked about it last week. On that running play, on the play action last week where it was the pick uh, against Detroit, the linebacker takes a half quarter full step inside and then immediately drops back. This week, same thing, that inside linebacker, he's he's reading Jordan Love for like a half second and then immediately drops back into his zone. If you are running the ball with any level of success, those linebackers are coming down aggressively to make sure that they are stopping the run. These linebackers are giving barely a false step inside and then immediately dropping back into their zones. Now, not again, absolving love of this one. You got to get your eyes up and view it because here's the other thing. If that inside linebacker wasn't there, I'm not so certain that the other linebacker wasn't going to pick it off either. Just a horrible throw and decision all the way around. But it's also indicative of if you don't run the ball, your play action is going to get weaker and weaker and they're not going to buy it anymore. And you're seeing linebackers take like a cursory, like, all right, let's kind of see if they're going to run. I'm just going to barely take a step just in case. All right, nope, I'm going to bounce back in my zone. So if, if, again, if you're running the ball with success, if that's, you know, some of the better running games in the NFL, like you see Green Bay have to do, those linebackers are coming down hard and aggressive and biting on that play action because they know if they don't, that could be a big explosive play from the running back. The linebackers for the Lions and the Raiders this week, they know if they don't bite on it, you know, and, and the running back gets the ball, it might be a three or four yard gain. No harm, no foul. But if they bite on it and they go aggressively, it could be a big play over their head. So they're playing the pass more than they're playing the run. That's a problem right now. You got to be able to run the ball. And bigger thing too, you've had six points in the last three first halves combined. You're not playing a good brand of football to start off the game. Your game plan going in has been abysmal and you're getting behind and you can't win that way, especially with a young team. And per Rob Domovsky, per Elias Sports, it's the first time since 1990 that they've had only you know six points in the first three halves combined. Like that is in, like incredibly, incredibly bad. And you're setting your team up for success or for failure, excuse me. All right, let's go to Jordan Love. Per Zach Cruz, Jordan Love is now six of 24 with two interceptions on passes thrown over 20 yards this season. And we go back to you can't throw the ball deep. If you can't throw the ball deep, you're not going to get safeties pushed back. It's going to make it harder to run the ball. You can't run the ball. It's going to cloud the center of the field and deep more. It's just uncomplimentary football all the way around. Per Ken Ingles, Jordan Love's uh, adjusted net passing yards per attempt, 10.6 yards in week one, 7.7 in week two, 4.9 in week three, 3.2 in week four, and 1.3 in week five, down every single week. What we are seeing is defenses get tape of Jordan Love and are learning to figure out how he plays and how to take away the stuff that he likes and how to make things complicated for him. Defenses are challenging him more and he has not come up with answers so far. Is that all on Jordan Love? It is not. 
His wide receivers can't be in the same spot. His wide receivers have to run the correct routes. His wide receivers have to help him out when he throws a 50-50 ball to come back to the ball better and make a better contested play of it to at least maybe knock it away rather than it being intercepted. You need to be able to run the football to make things easier for Jordan Love. You need to be able to pass protect to make things easier for Jordan Love. Is it all on Jordan Love? No. Does Jordan need to be better? Yes. Have we seen a decline game to game to game to game to game for Jordan Love? Yes. It's trending in the wrong way. That's a big concern right now. So not put in the best position and it needs to be better all the way around, but Jordan needs to play better as well, specifically with taking better care of the football. A three interception game where, you know, I don't know that there's really any, like the first one is on Jordan. The second one is a 50-50, but not not the right read, not the right throw in that situation. And the third one is late and underthrown to Christian Watson. Do I want Christian to come back and be more aggressive and physical to figure out a way to at least knock that ball away? I do. But that's a late throw and a short throw and a 50-50 at best. And if it's 50-50, like you could easily be intercepted in that situation. Guys can't drop passes either. You saw in that last drive, Luke Musgrave, Romeo Dobbs drop passes. It takes everyone. Right now, nobody's really doing their 111th, and that makes it really, really hard. As far as Christian Watson goes, yeah, I, like you see the explosive playmaking ability that he has, but I want him to fight back on that in route a little bit more. And Marcus Peters made a good jump on that one. I, that one I'm less concerned. The, the two that I'm more concerned about is he threw the deep ball. There was It was the play where they pointed out on the game where there's two defenders against Christian Watson. And they're doing everything that they can to like bracket him and he just runs through it. But if you watch, Watson stops on that play. He stops running and he doesn't run full force. If he runs full force, he turns around. He has an easy play. That's a good ball by Jordan. Like he he has to always think that the ball's coming his way. That was a, a big issue last year with Aaron at quarterback. That needs to be way, way better from Christian. And then the last play of the game too, you want to see just a little bit more like effort to try to not get completely, you know, eclipsed out of the play by Amik Robertson, who's like 5'9". Those things need to be better too. Now let's talk about something positive for a second, because I thought the defense was pretty good in this one. They had some key stops when they needed it. After the Jordan Love interception, they held to a field goal. That was a key one. They they got off the field mostly in the fourth quarter when they needed to, to give Green Bay's offense an opportunity to go down and try to make a game-winning drive. Just the offense couldn't do it. They did allow two long touchdown drives, which were frustrating. But in the NFL, if you allow 14 points on defense and you can say, well, Andy, they allowed 17, those those three points are on the offense. If anything, that's a net plus four positive points for the defense. Because when you turn the ball over there, you're thinking that offense is probably going to go down and score a touchdown. So the fact that the defense held them to three there and kept that uh, within reach was a huge, huge stand for that defense. So 14 points allowed per the defense in this one, that is a winning performance. They held Josh Jacobs to 69 yards on 20 carries, Devontae Adams to 45 yards on four catches. They had four sacks on the day, a huge turnover that led to the the touchdown drive for Green Bay to get Green Bay back in the game. Like The defense did everything they could. And we can talk about Joe Barry and some of the frustrating things. I get it. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying it's a top 10 defense. I'm not saying they haven't played some easy offenses. This defense is good enough to be three and two right now. They allowed 20 points against the Bears, 14 real points against the Bears. Six were in garbage time that I don't care about whatsoever. That's a 14-point defensive performance. Against the Saints, they allowed 10. Remember, seven was on the punt return for the touchdown. They only allowed 10 points in that entire game against the Saints. 
Then again, in this game, they allow 14. Those are three winning performances by the defense. You can argue it wasn't good enough against Atlanta. Okay. You can argue it wasn't good enough against Detroit. Okay. But this defense should be three and two. That's better than the two and three record that they are. My point being, we can point to a lot of things. It's hard to point to Joe Barry and be like, he's the single biggest issue right now because this defense should have a better record than what the overall team does. Just saying. Again, not saying it's perfect. Not, I'm not willing to stand on my, you know, Joe Barry hill and, and die on it. I don't think it's been perfect, but they've, they should have won three games just based on their defensive performance almost alone. I thought Preston Smith had a nice game in this one. I thought Razul Douglas had a nice game in this one. Razul Douglas, uh, multiple plays. They were trying to do trick plays and Razul Douglas was all over it. Flea flicker and then the pass back to the quarterback. He was right there. I thought he had a really nice day overall. I want to talk about the the play though that everyone's going to talk about defensively and that's Preston Smith on Devontae Adams. The biggest, most frustrating thing is Aaron Nagler pointed out, this happened against Justin Jefferson in week one last year where Jefferson, they got Jefferson matched up one-on-one with Preston Smith. So how you don't have something that you can do if you're in that situation and aren't prepared for it to happen again is mind-numbing. The second thing is if you're in that situation, and I'm not saying Preston should have done this and gone rogue, but this is how I would coach it. I would literally say, hey, if you get caught and you are a defensive end or edge player and you're on a really good wide receiver, go jump off sides, hit him behind the line of scrimmage and take the five-yard penalty and we will live to see another down. Because a five-yard penalty is about the best thing that's going to happen in that situation. Almost everything else that plays out, if you let that play play out, is going to be worse than just a five-yard penalty. But that can't happen. You can't end up with Preston Smith versus Devontae Adams one-on-one. I don't think I need to say that. It's unacceptable, cannot happen. And if it does happen, if you don't want to waste the time out, do the five-yard penalty and, and just live to see another down but they don't have that baked in. And that's also unacceptable. Right, those are my main notes, some miscellaneous notes. I really want, really quickly want to talk about the horse collar tackle. There are games within a game. You might say that that's a dirty play by Marcus Peters. The first thing I'll say is like, he did clearly horse collar him. He kind of like swung him. It wasn't like he like grabbed on the back and like just dragged him to the ground where you can kind of see like the legs get caught under him and, you know, torn ACLs and things like that. He kind of grabbed, he was trying to grab Jersey period and just kind of get him down in any way possible. I have no issue with that. There are games within a game and there are rules within rules. Now you could say like, if you want to eliminate something like that, like you are in soccer, in soccer, what happens if you do something like that? you're going to get red carded and they're going to get a penalty kick for like denying an obvious goal scoring opportunity. And a a player in that same position in soccer might do that. They might say, I'm not allowing a goal because I know how important goals are. I will give you a penalty kick and we'll play a player down just so that you don't score that goal because that's how important that it is. And that's the game within the game. The player is tasked with making those decisions, knowing that, hey, we might be at a huge disadvantage, but I'm not letting you get that goal. That's the game within the game. The game here for Marcus Peters is he's going to get a two-yard penalty instead of allowing a touchdown. You're not playing a player down. You're not getting kicked out of the game. If you want to eliminate that from an NFL, make sure, like, put it that if they do something like that, they're going to get, if they deny a touchdown scoring opportunity, they're going to get kicked out of the game if they commit a penalty like that, or that the ball automatically gets placed at the one-yard line if they're going to do something like that. That's not how it is. That's not how it's baked in. The, The decision here for Marcus Peters was commit the penalty and stop him and make it that it's first and goal and what, like the four yard line or let him score a touchdown. If I'm a coach, I'm coaching him to do that exact same thing every single time. 
that's it, it might suck. It might look dirty. You that's what you have to do. That you're playing to win the game. That's the rule. And all you're going to give up is a four yard penalty because it's going to be half the distance to the goal. A million times out of a million times, you have to do it. You just have to do it. And thankfully, Christian wasn't hurt. I didn't think Marcus Peters did it in a dirty way. He just grabbed Jersey and tried to get him down any way that he could and kind of swung him around more than like, again, just like put all of his weight and like pull them down backwards or anything like that. So I call it dirty, call it whatever you want. To me, that's smart football. And that's what you have to do in that situation. Kudos to Anders Carlson for being the best player on the Green Bay Packers. That's, it's, I guess, an exciting development. He's been amazing. And Yash Nyman with the block kick. Pretty good day overall for the special teams. They block a kick and they uh, have Anders Carlson making all of his kicks again. Daniel Whalen had a pretty nice day. So not anything like super crazy for the special teams, but you block a field goal and uh, have a couple of nice plays. It's an overall positive day. I thought it was a good day for Rich Passaccia and company. Injuries in this one. Quay Walker and Darnell Savage both go out injured. Meanwhile, Aaron Jones, Devondre Campbell, and Zane Anderson were out injured and did not play in the game. Your healthy and actives were Malik Heath, Anthony Johnson Jr., and Caleb Jones. Justin Hollins was released earlier in the day, so he's no longer on the team. We'll see if they try to get him back on the practice squad or if they just let him walk completely or if he gets claimed or signed with another team. We will have to wait and see there. That's pretty much all I got for you in this one. A massively disappointing team. We all know that friend that is young and goes to Vegas for the first time and they just don't know how to handle it. This was our uh, friend who went to Vegas for the first time. They're young and they did not know how to handle it. I'm not, uh, you know, I, that's a joke. I'm not saying that it's okay. I'm, this was a brutal performance by the Packers. No two ways around it. That's a team you have to beat. There was a ton of Packer fans there. It was not a traditional road game. You have to win that game. They didn't. Super frustrating and a lot that Green Bay is going to have to think about on this long bye week and a lot that we're going to have to talk about over the course of the next two weeks. Shout out to our All-Pro and Hall of Fame members, Most Hated Minnesotan, PJ Wynn, John Wild, Che Bradad, Arnaldo Espinoza, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Donald Lee, and Lori Lord. If you haven't checked out Packaday Podcast memberships yet, today would be a great day to do so. Subscribe, like, comment, do all the things you guys are so amazing at. I'll be right back here today, actually, with Justice Mosqueda on an all-new episode tomorrow with Paul Brettel. Don't miss those, but until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go!